Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for In the Spotlight. Let's talk a little bit about online banking. You remember at the start of it all, it enabled us customers to access our accounts. We can do transactions all from our personal computers or even smart gadgets, right? And then we had mobile banking introduced in the early 2000s. That allowed us to perform transactions using our smartphones. And now we're going to witness the rise of generative AI in this sector. Now, it has the potential to revolutionize the banking industry through robust automation in routine or tedious tasks. And based on analytics, it improves productivity. It also enhances customer service and satisfaction. Thing is, how can automation and generative AI offer innovative and lasting solutions to the financial services sector? How can it even mitigate the challenges faced by the sector right now? Well, in the studio with me to answer these questions and more is Chris Huff, Chief Growth Officer for COFAX. Chris, welcome to the studio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming by. Great conversation we're going to have. But first, I want to find out a little bit about your company, uh, Kofax. I understand it's founded in 1985. So you've seen the evolution of the banking sector. We've seen a few evolutions of the banking sector. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about it. Sure. So Kofax is a business-to-business enterprise automation company. Okay. So we service the financial services industry amongst a few others. Okay. But throughout that time, for the last 35, 40 years, we've seen a number of evolutions, everything from brick and mortar to, as you said, more online, yeah. where you have customer experiences that are really forcing a seamless transition from offline to off to online. And yeah. I think that's what you're sort of seeing in terms of the generative AI and how it's turbocharging the existing automation efforts. That's an interesting one. And you know, we live in this day and age where the most precious commodity happens to be data. That's right. But data can be quite complicated. I understand that with Cofax's software, it's supposed to simplify the handling of data. How does that work? If you think about any given process that we're involved in, there's typically your starting point, which is a lot of data. Okay. And that data can be really, really complex. You can find it in many different areas. It simply takes time to go and grab all that data, bring it together, make sense of it, and then use those insights to drive decision-making, which inevitably moves a business forward. Well, if you can automate all of that data data gathering and the insight generation of that data, you as a person and as a business can focus more on making decisions and taking action. And so if we can automate that front end data gathering and insight, then the business can simply move faster. When you say automating that front end, that is the AI aspect or am I correct to use the word generative AI here? There's a lot of just simple automation on the front end where generative AI really comes in is in the insight generation. So how can we perform trend analysis on the mounds of data to make insights, draw connections between disparate dots, disparate data sets that it would take people a long time to do. Generative AI can do that very, very quickly. And those insights being offered up to people allows them to, again, make decisions at warp speed. This is interesting. So I had a conversation with someone who is involved in cybersecurity and financial crime. I'm a former government investigator myself, and he, he told me about how AI 
could sense trends or patterns or someone's bank account looking wrong. Is this the same principle that with that, whilst I don't come in and make an accusation, I tell the company, hey, watch out. Everyone's paying attention to your accounts here. You may want to do something. Does it work the same way? It works exactly the same way. And it's probably worked on you as an individual. Okay. If you think about you use credit cards. Everybody uses credit cards. Have you ever traveled and then all of a sudden there's been like a lock on your credit card? Yes. That's right, because there's AI censoring in the background that's working where they can tell based on your trends, you move to certain places, you buy in a certain fashion, and if there's an anomaly detected in the background by AI Mm. relative to banking norms and then your personal behaviors, it will flag your account, it will then go to a certain department within the bank, and they will either lock the account or they will send you a message and say, is this indeed you making this purchase? That's what prevents you from having a lot of charges against you and then having to clean it up in the end. Yeah, that happened to me uh, because I tend to use my credit card and sneakers and then one day I bought jewelry and uh, is this you? Yes, it is. I'm buying it for my wife. (laughs) That is a flag. (laughs) That is a flag. Okay. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges faced by the financial services sector. Perhaps I want to start by getting your perspective. What are some of the major challenges facing the sector right now in the face of, you know, this data influx, this AI influx? Well, I think one of the primary ones we started to touch on, Mm. which is getting to a digital business. A lot of the banks have culture really ingrained in that heritage they've carried for a number of years. And so with new leadership, typically we'll bring new ideas to really cater to these new customer experiences, the absolute demands of the newer generation, which is that they don't want to step into a bank. They don't want to talk to a teller. They want everything to be online. They want it to be personalized and they want it to be at the ready. And so I think the customer experience and how that is really elevated and demanded the banks to be very competitive now, because there are some, let's call them mobile native banks that simply started. They're the younger banks that simply started online. They didn't really have that heritage footprint. And so they're able to provide those personalized services, unlike the other banks. That's one of, I think the next one, and it's a big one here in Singapore. I'm Mm. from the U.S., but paying attention to the Singapore bank and MAS is around compliance and regulatory Mm. environment. That continues in terms of legislation. It continues to evolve at a rapid pace. And so the banks having to, one, pay attention to implement three cater to the customers again mm-hmm. elevated experiences and expectations while at the same time with everything being online there is more fraud activity yeah and if you yeah. look at the singapore police force they estimated that it was 670 million dollars last year alone yeah. in fraudulent activity yeah i like this topic of compliance because you're looking essentially and, and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong you're looking essentially at, at loosening some compliance aspects but at the same time backing it up with, how should I say, the assurance of security. How complicated is this to manage? How are these? How do these conversations tend to go? And you've got to do both of that. You're absolutely right. It's a balancing okay. act. And you've got to do that without disrupting the experience with <laughs> yeah. your end user. It's yeah. truly yeah. magic. But I think that's why you, one, have to have the business and IT working 
hand in hand because the business users, they know the customer. Mm. They know what that customer journey needs to look like yeah. all the way from submitting an application, onboarding to full life cycle care, whether it's a growing family, so housing needs, automobile needs, but they sort of know what that journey needs to look like. Mm-hmm. And then IT needs to be there to really support the infrastructure, ensure that the technologies that are available are brought in yeah. in a way that's compliant. Yeah. Actually, this next one is more of an observation question, and I think you're the best person to talk about it as a chief growth officer. You see evolution. Three years ago, we had these banks come up with these mobile applications. We had a pandemic as well, and we're asking people to step up to the times. Yeah. Has compliance caught up with that in that now it's no longer, oh, it's just young people that want this yeah. customer journey, this experience. So many demographics are all on board, but are the banks uh, uh, meeting them at the same speed? I think they're struggling. Okay. I, th- I, th- I, think they're, I think they're struggling. I do think that they are putting their best foot forward. Okay. I think legislation is moving faster than it has, and that has been a forcing. So COVID, yeah. it was a forcing mechanism for yeah. so many. Uh, same thing in the U.S. Um, there were banks that Let's admit it, like they were profit centers Mm -hmm. and they had to invest all of the sudden, which meant that they took hits to their margins. But I think the competitive pressure set in when a few of them started to move, the rest of them moved. And I think that's what's enabled sort of the banks to really get with the times. Okay. Okay, let's talk a little bit about cloud innovation, uh, something that would have been seen as quite scary uh, years ago. Now people talk about the benefits of cloud innovation. Um, share with us what are some of the key highlights when it comes to, to benefits of cloud innovation. I think there were a few benefits. Okay. One of the ones that I think really was a driving force in the adoption of cloud was cost. And by that, what I mean is instead of having to have a lot of IT infrastructure that you have to manage yourself, Let's just outsource that. Mm-hmm. Let's just go to the cloud. We can get rid of all of this on-premise IT infrastructure. So reduction of cost and just the burden of maintaining it was alleviated. So that was one of the primary pushes. Okay. But more recently, especially within the financial services industry, they have become comfortable with it's actually more secure. Okay. The Microsofts of the world, the Amazons of the world, the Googles of the world, they have locked down their clouds to a point where other services and industries were the first to sort of jump in. Okay. Financial services, it took a little while, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. against you know concerns with security, yeah. but they seem to be there now. So a lot of the financial services, the global financial service companies, they have a cloud-first strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that it's all cloud. It does mean that it's typically hybrid. So okay. they'll have the most sensitive of information in a private cloud. So it's just their instance. But then to outsource the transactional work where it's not so Uh, sensitive, they'll send that to a public cloud at a reduced cost. So is that a sense of automation? Would it be correct to describe it that way? That's right. So the movement of the data between the two, instead of having people move data, people are pretty expensive. And frankly, they don't want to do that mind-numbing work. You would put an automation or a digital workflow in there. Right. And then you throw in generative AI. Is it correct to assume that the sector is open to it, but it could do a lot faster or it could be more receptive? They are open to it. We actually just held an event earlier today with a, a number of the financial services companies here in Singapore. And the resounding response to it is we're open to it. We need to ensure that there are guardrails put in place, but we are ready to move. 
And okay. I think that was a reassuring message. Okay. I'm in the studio right now with uh, Chris Huff, Chief Growth Officer for COFAX. Uh, we are talking about generative AI automation all in the financial services sector. And we're going to have some fun right now. Uh, a bit of case study. The fall of Silicon Bank uh, gave everyone a headache. But as far as stress testing is concerned, how has that become a major focus, especially in light of SVB's collapse? How important is this today? I think it's very important, and I think it was uh, there was a moment where mm. if you didn't contain the contagion, which we did in the U.S., it could have been much worse. Mm. And so in terms of stress testing, that's something that we routinely go through. I know the MAS here does it, pretty stringent about it. But I think even from a U.S. perspective, Singapore banks are viewed as being very strong yeah. from the U.S. Yeah. The liquidity ratios are high. The underlying assets are strong. In the U.S., we have banks that cater to certain cohorts, okay. uh, more VC, venture capital banked, where there is a little bit more risk, where loans okay. are being made to very young companies that maybe have great ideas, but maybe don't have a business model yet. Right. They're not driving revenue yet. And so Silicon Valley Bank was really catering to the venture capital community. Mm -hmm. So they did take a certain level of risk. And so I think like that sort of played itself out. That's hard to stress test that type of situation because you're talking about risk that you're willing to take more. There's a different risk management framework that's applied to that. You're absolutely right. Okay. Okay. and, And pardon my ignorance on this. Is stress testing something that can be automated? A lot of it actually can be. Oh, okay. And that's a good thing. There was a recent KPMG study that showed that over half of the stress tests take at least three months. Right. So this isn't something that's done in the matter of 24 hours or a week. This does take time. Mm. A lot of the manual checks can actually be automated. And you are seeing the banks do more and more of that to where they can put in place automated controls using software. And this is where, this is the number one vertical industry for COFAX is actually financial services. So we have a number of customers that actually use our software for stress test automation. So this might be a point of speculation, a bit of a shoulda, woulda, coulda type of speculation as we talked about SVB. If the right stress test was in place, could it have saved the bank? Elliot, I, I noticed every time you said the word speculation, you smiled more and more. I know, because I enjoy good speculation. I love wagering as well. But I, th- I think you're absolutely right. With more automation, yeah. auditors tend to become much more comfortable because, again, automation is dependable. It's repeatable. Right. You set it in place to perform against a certain set of rules. That's what it does. When you put a manual control in mm. place, a person... That person may perform better on a Tuesday or Wednesday Mm. relative to a Monday coming off of a fresh weekend. They may not be bringing their A game, but automation brings its A game every day. And so there is a level of uh, confidence that you have in automated controls. Humans can miss out on certain (laughs) things. But I guess that takes us to the point about fighting fraud with AI. I mean, no secret that fraud's a major pain point uh, facing financial institutions. So generative AI, I mean, I talked about earlier how it can detect trends. Is there more to it in terms of fighting fraud? There absolutely is. And I equate generative AI to automation to what mobile did to web 2.0. Okay. Mobile didn't, you started on mobile earlier, mobile didn't replace web 2.0. It simply accelerated it. It turbocharged it. And there were companies around during, that was about the 2004 era. There were companies around like MySpace and Blockbuster And they did not latch on to mobile. They faded. So they saw the innovation. They chose not to latch on to it. They faded. Mm -hmm. Then there were companies that were around. Facebook comes to mind. Amazon comes to mind. They saw mobile. 
and they went after it. Yeah. And I think everybody has used the Amazon mobile yeah. app and still is today. And we're, you know, 15 years, 20 years removed from that. But then there were mobile companies that were born. The Airbnbs, the Ubers yeah. of the world were born. They were yeah. mobile native. Yeah. I believe the same thing is happening right now with a step change in technology innovation with generative AI and the large language models underneath them. It is going to turbocharge the existing automation efforts that the banks have put in place mm. around stress testing, around creating elevated customer experiences, pick the use case, mm. whether it's retail banking. But it is going to absolutely turbocharge. And that's what we saw this afternoon when we were talking to many of the heads of your banks, where that this was not going to replace automation. It was going to turbocharge it. And so this is where there is an absolute moment for those financial services companies that had not fully invested in automation to have that step change or leapfrog moment. All right. I've been speaking with Chris Huff, Chief Growth Officer for Cofax. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to come by the studio. Take care and have a great Tuesday evening. Appreciate it. To listen to more great interviews, download our our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.